0: Ready?
1: Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, episode 16-7. We are a video game music podcast focusing on video game music from all consoles and all generations. If it's good, we're going to find it. I'm named, My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And he's also... Uh, I think he's speaking in tongues at the moment. Yeah, yeah, this my second my second week tongue tied. Um, so, top of the show, I just kind of want to get some things out of the way here. Um, on January 27th, which is a Saturday, in um, in South Philadelphia, so you'll see us on the South Street Cinema at the Everything Is Awesome Comedy and Podcast Festival. So, uh, it's the South Street Cinema at 2 p.m. There are tons of great podcasts, tons of great um, comedians and improv groups and stuff like that across four venues. And we're going to be talking about video game music, and everyone else is going to be talking about like movies and getting drunk and stuff.
0: And I'm a little anxious on that. I mean, I've been trying to work on my comedy routine. I'm really hoping that my rabbi, plumber, and bandicoot walk into a bar joke really hits them hard. No, we're going to do this. Um, all I got. We're going to do who's on first player. Oh, me? And then you're to do Hoot on second player. No, nope.
1: also me. Also you. It's a bonus. It's a special D- challenge. D- double-fisted. That's exactly. Play House of the Dead. That's right. Um, I think that's all I've got for the top of the show. Pernell, you got anything?
0: Um, Not so much. Just playing games. As you now think about it, at the time this episode releases, mm-hmm. I I think I think the, the embargo will be off. So from a nerd level, I'm actually reviewing the, the game name. that I've been anticipating for years. Yes. I've been playing it for the last month. It's called Yik, but it's actually not because I always mispronounce it. It's called Y two K, and it's a pretty cool game. Oh, well, I'm actually it's hard to say for sure. The review is going to speak for it. But basically, is a it's called Y two K, a postmodern RPG, and it has been in development since maybe 2015 or even 14. It's been a while, but I was lucky enough to get the review. I've been stuck on it for the last month or so, and I'm actually going to be able to put the review out for it this coming this actually the week this episode releases i believe so
1: so y2k or yik
0: (laughs) yik i can't go back to the right pronunciation because it it can only be what i wanted to once you start saying things
1: in your head that's that's just how it comes out right exactly every cat's a mittens to me all right well let's talk about um today's topic which is actually today's guest um which is now i'm remembering what i was going to talk about earlier but our guest is ian stocker of or aka magical time bean um thank you for joining us ian
2: yeah thank you for having me all
1: right so um i learned about magical time bean through the game escape goat um, which i've talked about in the past like one or two episodes because i've been playing it again and really loving it um and just fell in love with the music looked up um your information and i was like oh his name isn't Magical Time Bean, it's actually Ian Stocker, and he, you've been a game composer for, for quite some time. Can you give us a little background?
2: Yeah, um, I've been writing music using the computer since I was a teenager, and around um, 2000, 2002, I started doing uh, soundtracks for handheld games, the Nintendo handhelds, starting with the Game Boy Color all the way up through the DS. And uh, the last handheld game I did was Monster Tail which is one of the last DS games before the 3DS came out.
0: And it's also interesting to me because I learned about you from *Scapegoat* 1, which for the record, I hadn't even played the game, but your intro, the track that you put on the, tra- the promo trailer, sold the game by itself. The game is good, but I didn't care about that when I bought it. <laughs> I just figured if all the music sounds like this, I'm in for a good tone. So I bought it, but... I was a decent fan of Monster Tale primarily because when I first learned about it it reminded me heavily of Monster World 4 for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I jumped right on that and then Rob eventually tells me oh yeah you know Magical Time Bean May Stalker did that
1: OST too which did not even occur to me. Right right and then so, I found um I found Soulcaster and that was amazing so um but what oh how did you get into handhelds like like, what, what, what was it like within your time with working with, like, the Game Boy Color and Advanced and, and those those types of uh, um, devices? What was it like?
2: Um, so, it had to do with how I learned to write music, which was with trackers. Yes, and, yes. like, yes. in DOS <laughs> with a 486 uh, or Pendium 90 or something, mm-hmm. uh, very much dating myself here. But uh, for your listeners who may not know what a tracker is, it's kind of a way to... Um, Write music. It was an alternative to MIDI files in general mm-hmm. MIDI, and like MIDI is actually kind of a pejorative for uh, you know if you say something sounds MIDI-like. Yeah, uh, that's they're talking about like, they're
1: talking about like that old school Windows sound font, you know, from their old exactly. machines. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, but. But, um, yeah, um, but mods yeah. and
2: tracking had, uh, you, could, you could import your own samples, any WAV file uh, you could put in and use as an instrument. And I just love that. You were really limited to like six, eight, 10 channels though, because it was all mixed on the CPU and mm-hmm. old computers weren't that powerful. But that spec is a lot like the handhelds, like mm-hmm. um, when you really have to worry about sample size and number of channels and get the most out of every little um, bit of CPU or, or RAM. Uh, that's what came in handy when I went to uh, write my first Game Boy Color soundtrack, which was an indie game, believe it or not, called Mithri, oh. uh, spearheaded by Tom Hewlett. And it was, uh, an, it was a JRPG. It got really far along. Uh, it was completely bootstrapped and um, I completed the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It was a soundtrack the size of a Final Fantasy, you know. RPG soundtrack, no just uh, maybe 30 tracks or something like nice. that. Wow.
1: Th- 30 tracks using the four sound channels. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Nice. It was really fun to do. I'm really happy with it, even to this day. Um, and you can, you can find it on my SoundCloud, And I think maybe mm-hmm. even on my YouTube, uh, if you search for Mithri, um, and yeah, I took that knowledge to, um, Amaze Entertainment. They, mm-hmm contacted me. Uh, Steve Ettinger, the executive producer at Amaze, uh, was like, hey, we're starting up a handheld games division. And one of the programmers, Josh Meads, from Mithri, uh, was recently hired there, dropped my name, used the game as his portfolio material, actually. And then they're like, we need someone who, we have a sound team here, but they're already really busy and they don't like working with the handheld stuff very much. Uh, How would you like a contract? So. That got my start, and I ended up doing a ton of work with them.
1: Oh, very cool! So yeah, when I, I looked up some of your um, your discography, I found some of like the Game Boy Color, like Harry Potter and Aragon, and and um, I think some like uh, Lord of the Rings type of, yeah. of tie-ins. And I was like, oh, interesting! I like wonder if that's where he started, and then sort of moved moved into doing on um, your own your own programming, your independent work. And it's really cool to hear about you talking with about playing with trackers because that was my introduction to to music as well. Um, I didn't really nice. ever play a, an instrument, but I got super into mods on my old IBM or Tandy or whatever it was at the time. And yeah, I love it. Um, If you're into um, that type of music and trackers, there's a whole demo scene podcast, which a friend of ours, Ed, runs called The Impulse Project. And they just play like a half an hour's worth of just demo scene music. And it is it is wonderful. It's There's a lot of new stuff, a lot of old stuff. I always like plugging his show because he's they're just a great bunch of guys and... It's a great show. Actually, that makes me
0: ask a question too. In and of itself, it might be jumping ahead of things since we haven't started the music yet. <laughs> but okay. I, I just wanted to know. So you were doing compositions for Game Boy Color, Game Boy, um, you know, DS. I'm assuming you made did like a, a couple for Game Boy Advance. But what was yeah. the point when you decided to go from just being Ian Stalker to Magical Time Bean Being, being you know game a game development one man studio?
2: So I think that was around 2008, Uh, there was an interesting economic situation then and uh, I was kind of given um, an unexpected break from work because I had a couple contracts that were supposed to start and they pulled the plug on these projects because of the economy. So I was like, I've got three months with nothing to do, Mm -hmm. I guess um, I'm going to go to the coffee shop every day and learn XNA and make a game no matter how small or... Uh, No matter what, I'm just going to put the time in and we'll see what I come up with in three months. Uh, And so I just slowly and steadily learned brick by brick and Mm -hmm. um, made Soulcaster. It was a simple enough 2D uh, sprite art game that it only took me like five months to make. Uh, And I'm happy with how it turned out. So I was like, all right, I'll make another one. And eventually, around the time of Escape Goat 1, I'm like okay, uh, maybe I should do this full time instead. Uh, I've always wanted to make my own games as like my main gig. And I've been doing the contract music stuff for a while. Um, So maybe it was time for a change. My wife was on board with it. (laughs) Um, And uh, so I got the green light to take all of, I think 2011 and work on A Scapegoat One. Mm. And then um, 2012 and 2013, work on A Scapegoat Two. So yeah, that was that was how I made the switch. Wow,
0: and I love the fact that you were able to make that happen and that Escape Goat One sold well enough for you to keep going because if I remember correctly, at the time Escape Goat One came out, the Xbox indie scene was pretty saturated. Mm. So you had to really put out a special product in order to shine there, which I'm going to say from a personal perspective, and I think Rod would agree, your product was special.
1: Yeah. So it's
0: not a surprise. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think, I
1: think it has to do with the tools that were available at the time. The, the, the reason it was saturated was because suddenly it was very easy to, to release, you know, essentially any, any executable <laughs> programs through that process and onto, um, onto the, indie, the indie space mm-hmm. on Xbox Live. Um, which, you know, for better or for worse, cause I, I got to find some really cool stuff too, you know, but you have to kind of do your own curation at that point. But let's, let's start with some music. I asked, um, Ian to bring along, uh, the same amount of tracks that we usually do every episode. Um, we weren't sure if we were going to have a topic or not. So me and Pranel, we have a topic of magic ma- time, magical time, <laughs> 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 but we're going to start with, um, with uh, a track that Ian brought. Uh, This is from the game Monster Tail for the Nintendo DS. This is called The Scratch Pit, composed by Ian Stocker. to the scratch pit from the game monster tale for the nintendo ds composed by ian Stalker, and and right away man that kick drum is getting it. it is just getting some i
0: want to say that i'm surprised well i see i am surprised that he picked the track but i want to say that as much as i want to say oh wow i, I this sounds amazing i've never heard it before i'd be lying because i was doing that level for oh, right the <laughs> last 20 minutes so i was like oh
1: this is honestly my favorite track from the game. It's very good. It, yeah, it does have that kind of um, speed that you're usually into, that kind of uh, quick tempo. And the entire level is a freaking,
0: like, mosh pit.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really awesome stage and an awesome track for a great game. Yeah, I really like the, the solo, halfway through. Um, it goes kind of like, it like, feels like it's a turning point in the solo where it kind of hits an atonal section, then it comes around. It's a really cool flourish. Um, Can you tell us anything about um, this track or or what went into the production?
2: Sure. Uh, Yeah, I picked this one because it is also my favorite from the uh, OST. I
1: like this guy. It's the first
2: one I did. Uh, and it was actually my audition track kidding. Uh, for Dream Rift, and uh, it got me the gig. So uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I feel kind of weird about it though, because it's like, I turned this in and I love the track, and I don't think I quite ever hit this like level of quality with the rest of the OST, but at least this track's in there. Uh, I think that there are a lot of other tracks that are really strong, but they're mm. just not as energetic. They're, just, they're good for other reasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, this one was designed to pull a little bit from Bayonetta and a little bit from Mega Man X. You can Mm. kind of tell um, the guitar lead is like, when I was taking apart SPC files to see how like the Mega Man X music was put together, uh, I was like, oh, they're using four whole channels for this electric guitar lead. Like, why are they doing that? And it was so they could have both the delay and chorus effect, like slightly detuned. Uh, so I just copied that and I've used that in a lot of songs I don't since kidding. then. The, um, sample for that guitar is something like, uh, eight kilobytes. <laughs> it's like super tiny, <laughs> I love uh, it, but you can get a lot of mileage just with those sorts of effects.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting to think about the limitations of, of the Super Nintendo, right? So they didn't have like an effect that you can just switch on and off all the time. So if you wanted to make a delay or an echo or some kind of chorus or, or a flange, you had to like double up the sound or have like another channel kind of take it up Um, there's a few tracks on um, i think it's on front mission with some piano where it's actually maybe four or five different channels using piano keys so that they could play together and do um chords and and things like that and i found that really interesting too because you don't you don't see that a whole lot on the super nintendo and things tend to sound a little detuned i don't know if you've experienced that too
2: Yeah, those are all techniques that um, I picked up just by copying the techniques of the masters from the tracking era. Like, that was the greatest part with Mods is um, you get all the note data, everything you can see how the song's constructed. And so it's like, all right, a purple motion song sounds amazing track by track. Like, let's Mm -hmm. solo this track. How can he make it sound so good with just one channel? It's like, oh, okay, he's using these effects. And then he's like making it sound like a delay. He makes it sound like there's two channels, but that's just because he's putting the delayed note at a really low volume in the gaps in between the loud notes. And it's like, so, all of those things I could bring with me uh, when I started making stuff for the handhelds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, I think I had like the right um, education <laughs> to, yeah. to handle that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Like, there's the, I like that overlap.
0: Well, I got to say for sure, first of all, just to just flat out say that I am ecstatic that this is also your favorite track from the game because <laughs> why not? <laughs> I mean, geez, right. it's fun. Um, But one thing that also came across as a nice bit of a surprise. So you said you composed this track as your audition track for the company, which, of course, they hired you because why wouldn't they? You're awesome at this. But would you do feel as though when you were able to use it proper in the game that it was a good fit for the stage? Or do you feel like I would have done a little something different in retrospect?
2: I think it fit really well. I mean, it was designed to be a, a really uh, energetic area. For all I know, they might have um, let the music influence the design a little bit. It, it's been a while, so my memory's hazy on this, but um, I think they, they did get some tracks for areas that hadn't been completed yet because they did want the music to kind of inform the general aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So uh, who knows, maybe the kind of um, overall mood if the level was slightly influenced by that audition track. Well I like the sound of that then
0: because like like I said earlier the track is awesome but I also like the stage itself quite a bit for the theme that it follows because prior to this level you're like running through caves and like nice fields and all of a sudden now you're in this like the equivalent of a nightclub (laughs) and it just kind of comes as a bit of a surprise to the player Hmm. and the level itself just feels more frenetic because you've got like enemies being more active and engaging, mm-hmm. trying to take you out. And around that time is when I kind of get really obsessed with not playing the game so much as trying to evolve the monster to every single form he can have
1: on mm-hmm. one stage, mm-hmm. which is kind of obsessive, but whatever. That's what I do. Um, and what what's nice is um, this this track isn't short. I mean, there's a good loop to it, but there's, there's a lot of interest. So when you're spending a lot of time in, in certain places... Be iterating over some of the game mechanics, um, you're not listening to the same loop over and over and over and over again, um, and a lot of times, like a good a good game track loop can trick you into thinking that you're not listening to the same thing over and over again. And I get that a lot with your compositions, and I, I really I think that's a cool thing that you don't you don't hear all the time, but I like to point it out because it's something I appreciate. <laughs> um, all right, so we're gonna get into some um, other game music. This is an Odd-numbered episode, so you start us off for now. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to go with an odd choice for this topic, but one that I wanted to choose because, quite frankly, I'm very shocked that I've never picked this track for the show. Hmm. How that is, I have no idea. But anyway, this track is from the game Chrono Cross, and the track title is Home Village Arnie, and is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. You're listening to the theme from Home Village, Arnie, Arnie Village, from the game Chrono Cross, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda, and while I have to admit that for the topic that we chose, I cheated a little bit, because Chrono Cross is not about time travel, but about more like crossing between alternate realities, Yeah, I'm still taking it. Because the game is magical, it has magic in it, and quite frankly, this yep. track is phenomenal. Oh, this is a
1: beautiful song. I love, I love how it resolves at the end. I think It goes right back into the, um, there's that main like arpeggio with the uh, guitar. So good.
0: It's a, it's just, it does everything mm. right to, you know, get you started on an adventure. Because yeah, the beginning of the game is you running through that one dungeon for reasons I don't even remember. It's been so long. It's been but, a while for me too. But once you wake up and you're in this village. Mm-hmm. Every RPG always has to have that send-off track, you know. Everything feels great right now, you know. Welcome to your world. Go have a bowl of soup with your mom or whatever. (laughs) But I feel like this is probably one of the best examples of a send-off before an adventure track that I've ever heard in an RPG. It feels fantastic to listen to. It makes you feel at peace, even. And honestly, I... I, I don't It's hard to even suppose. It just makes me feel Good to even hear Yeah it's a really Peaceful track Especially when that Flute comes in It's amazing And uh, it, it does The environment Correct mm-hmm. like It does the environment A good service too
1: Because it's yeah. You know nice It's like a, Sort of like a pier mm-hmm. Beachy pier Town Now this is interesting Because oh. this is Yasunori Matsuda's Second soundtrack So his first was on Chrono Trigger In which he worked Himself to nearly death Really? Yeah, he got, he got himself so sick working on Chrono Trigger. That's when um, Nobuo Uematsu came in and finished um, some of the other tracks for him because Nobuo, because uh, Chrono Trigger and I think Final Fantasy VI were being developed at the same time. So uh, Uematsu was working on Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Um, and then Yasunori Mitsuda, you know, just worked himself too hard because he he really wanted to prove he really wanted to create a soundtrack for an RPG. And this was his dream, and he finally got the chance. Well, you gotta admit, yeah. given how <laughs> revered Chrono Trigger's OST yeah. is, I would say he
0: succeeded at that task.
1: But it's really interesting <laughs> because on Chrono Trigger, it's it's again, it's the sequenced audio of the Super Nintendo, and then moving on to the PlayStation, they finally had the ability to use um, streaming audio. So it's not red booked where it's like tracks on the disc, mm-hmm. but it can it's um it's it's um compressed or it's encoded on the disc, and then it streams back. So it's not the best quality, but he was able to do a lot more with sounds, mm. which is with the recorded guitar, and you can hear all the acoustic string squeaks and everything. It's just it's a it's a beautiful song. And I gotta say, I'm glad you mentioned that because
0: that's one of my one of my favorite elements to
1: the OST too. Is that there's definitely tracks where you can actually hear the string picks. Yeah, there's a lot more like acoustic, like mm-hmm. uh, like real real uh, instruments. Um, do you have any experience with uh, Chrono Cross or, or Chrono Trigger Ian?
2: I didn't play uh, Chrono Cross, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean Chrono Trigger is legendary, I've probably beaten it multiple times. <laughs> yeah. I think I wrote an FAQ for it, <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on I how to on the a, various endings. It's on
1: Gamefacts.com,
2: if you look it up. It might be, for all I know. Um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea that he worked himself to the brink of death to make that. It mm-hmm. kind of shows, it's like beastly and yeah. how many songs oh, there are So out. much high quality most of them are because it's not just like there are rpgs out there that have what i would call filler um music and Mm -hmm. my osts always have filler i will admit (laughs) like because not every song can be like this radio hit uh not every not every song needs to be uh and i think it's much better to have like four or five great songs and then some other songs Mm -hmm. that are just kind of padding as opposed to every song being a 7 out of 10, that's not going to make for a very memorable soundtrack. But Chrono Trigger, you can just listen to that whole thing. Like, more than half the tracks are yeah. you know, outstanding, with like a really hummable melody. You can tell how much time went into each one.
1: Right. I can argue that yeah, Chrono Cross is right about the same way. I, I played Chrono Cross, I'm never having experience with Chrono Trigger before, so it was like kind of a fresh... Um, thing for me. And we talked about this in our last episode, too, because we went off on Corona Cross like for way too long. Yeah, but basically, but- quick, quick catch-up summary to what we were saying with that is
0: that I felt that by Rob's coming in from Chrono Cross without the without the you know the legacy of Trigger behind him, he didn't deal with a lot of the hiccups and issues that
1: fans of the series came in with when they were yeah. kind of downing cross from the start. There's a lot of um, preconceived notions on what the IP was going to be like and what it should be. I didn't have any of that. I just enjoyed you know a fun RPG with beautiful music um, all the way through. Just beautiful music. So I honestly never Mm. even beat the game. I got to the Time Devourer and was like,
0: "Well, I've done my job. I quit."
2: (laughs) All right. So I think to be fair, like Mm Chrono Trigger is just an impossible act to follow. Like it was just such a um, like enormous, revered game that there was no way they could have done something that satisfied everyone after that. Oh, I agree. But the sad thing is, like in
0: this situation, though, was it was less about that because. I even playing through Cross I was like you know this is a great game but it ain't touch and trigger just like for what you said it's it's a very different it's
1: perfect yeah but but the song Radical Dreamers <laughs> oh that was slick it's not in Chrono Trigger I love that song <laughs>
0: I think it was just that when the game even got announced and revealed it was like hey where's Chrono and Marley mm-hmm. and none of them showed up where's Robo Robo's not here we just got Serge Sergei and <laughs> you this just red ser- hit this <laughs> kid named Kid you <laughs> got- you'll, you'll grow to love them but we swear and it's like well <laughs> <laughs> we have
1: no interest in your game then is not what we came for <laughs> you got surged <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, you had to go there Oh my God. you all right, we're gonna leave the world, this this beautiful, calm world of Chrono Cross, into a time traveling cop from the future. This is, not, this is not time cop. <laughs> this is a game called Time Tracks for the Sega Genesis, um, actually unreleased. Um, this was composed by Tim Fallen. Um, I'm not sure how it, how the soundtrack came into existence. I think the whole game was completed, but it was just never released. So the betas were found somewhere, or they were they were leaked somewhere. But this is, I think, but I believe it's Tim Fallon's only Sega Genesis soundtrack because he worked extensively on the Nintendo and the Commodore 64. Um, he did some Super Nintendo music, but um, so you're going to hear some classic Tim Fallon funk fusion jams. This is the track called Mission Briefing. Mission Briefing from the game Time Tracks for the Sega Genesis. Briefing from the game Time Tracks for the Sega Genesis, composed by Tim Fallon. because of course it is. I
0: feel He's weird about the fact that we're back to talking and not listening to this music, <laughs> because I, I just kind of tuned me out. I got to that that phase you get into. Yes, he you grab your ear, mm. your, your head, your earbud, and start bopping to it. Yeah,
1: like those guys on TV for some reason. There's um, you know, there's there's Streets of Rage, which is like this hard, heavy techno. You hear it in a club. And then you got this, and this is, he's like, Tim Fallons, like, no, no, I can make it funky. I will make the Genesis funky. We were and that's what he did. And mission accomplished here again, because this is... Mission briefing. <laughs> 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 oh, I had the track title. Incorrect. My mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, Tim Fallons definitely up there as one of my favorite, favorite composers um, of video game music. I remember first hearing the Solstice soundtrack for the NES, Hearing that opening theme that went on for like eight minutes mm-hmm. as a kid and being amazed that the Nintendo had the, the, the power to like do these crazy solos and funk jams and jazz fusion swing stuff. Um, and so it, it seems like it's only appropriate that he just kept improving, improving, improving on whatever hardware he was working on. Um, so, yeah. What do, you, what do you think of this one, Ian?
2: It was very smooth. Yeah. I was looking up Tim Fallon, because uh, I don't know really that much about his like um, his background, because mm-hmm. I wanted to find out, did he cut his teeth uh, on trackers like I did? And I'm going to guess that he did. His stuff really has that complex lead line sound yeah. that you'll find in mods. and. If you look at like a lot of his early stuff was Commodore 64 and Amiga and mm-hmm. so it's like yeah, yeah very likely that he <laughs> either even if this track was composed with MIDI um it's like I could tell he was influenced in some way by like the sound and techniques of mod tracking.
1: Well, I know that I know that you don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but there is another video game music podcast that's called The Legacy Music Hour in which they interviewed Tim Fallon, and he had he gives a lot of technical background about how he started and, and the tools that he used—it's um, very interesting. He—he he was very, um, especially on the NES. He—he he did everything by hand, so he did a lot of like just typing in typing code, playing it back, typing in code, playing it back, typing in code, playing it back. Um, he didn't, and he started when he was like 15 or 16 years old, um, just kind of just learning what numbers were what notes, and then just creating his signature off of that, which is really, really different and really interesting. So I'm wondering if he did the same thing with the uh, with the Mega Drive, but I don't know. Well, one thing that came to mind while
0: we were listening to this track earlier was like, because I had never heard of this game until Rob had brought it to my yeah, attention. All I
1: know is that I believe it's a time-traveling
0: cup. Well, that's the thing. Like, it, it turns it? out that the game is based on a television show. And I'm going to read a quick blip from it real quick. Basically, it was a TV show about a police officer who was sent two centuries into the past who must apprehend and return convicted criminals who have escaped prison in the future. Ooh, time cop. And it just throws me for a loop how that breaks down because it just sounds like they just sent this poor man back to do jobs that the cops of that time should be doing, but they're just too lazy to get the work done.
1: <laughs> like, are <yeah, they're laughs> just They don't easy. feel
0: like getting off their duffs. Like, you got this young upstart from the future doing better than you does he have one of those cool futuristic laser pistols no he just has a gun in fact they've scaled back armaments in the future so he's actually using a lesser gun than you've got does he have cool rocket boots no he's wearing converse like there's nothing special about
1: this got the future converse
0: (laughs) the converse of the future based on a basketball player but they've never
1: heard of but they laced themselves for now oh (laughs) jeez
0: But like It got me thinking actually Funny enough So Ian We know you were doing some tracks For the you know For the handhelds Some licensed games Came in there at some point too Can you think of A licensed property Possibly like a television show Of the past That you would have loved To have composed a track for If it had a game
1: Oh Hmm Yeah maybe like a musical style Like around Like a series or something That really Maybe you would find A lot of fun to compose for
2: I guess, um, man, like, yeah, the the stuff that I was so into uh, in the early days was all, like, JRPG, and it, everything from Japan was, like... Uh what I was looking for and that's like really hard to find on TV if you go outside of the anime realms. I would have loved to do anything based on any anime cuz that's just like uh it's like the shackles come off. You just do whatever, you know, <laughs> high energy right. stuff you want to do.
1: Like the over dramatic like, you know, like romantic sections or something and then and then right back into like super high energy fight music. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you you really can't uh, overdo it, as far as I know. I mean, I haven't scored an anime game, really. I mean, maybe I have. Uh, I don't think so. But um, yeah, that would be kind of cool. A friend of mine and I would joke about how we really wanted to do a Bratz tie in. (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh, just because it would be like the weirdest thing to work on. And uh, like, we would probably have kind of free reign to uh, <laughs> to do whatever he wanted we had, with it.
1: There's no like preconceived like brat's sound, right? So you could just be like going in there and be like, alright, this is gonna be um, gangster rap. Alright, here we go. <laughs> so you know. Yeah. Honestly, I could see you
0: doing like a good OST for like a quality Slayers RPG. That could be pretty or slick.
1: Slayers. Yeah, we were talking about anime. Like a couple weeks ago, we just got like we fell into like this nostalgia rabbit hole. Cause there's so many good shows like that 80s and 90s anime. Do you, do you have a favorite um, 80s or 90s era uh, anime? I think um, my tastes
2: have changed so much. Yeah. Like I don't really watch anime anymore these days. Uh, but back in the day, like in the college era, um, Escaflone was like. Oh my god! I called that. <laughs> I was <me>. like
0: Escaflooding. <laughs>
2: Uh, I mean because it's like it's already really good for mm. several reasons it's got like medieval fighting it's got mecca um, it's got romance but then it's got uh, Yoko Kano's music right That's and that right. just like cranks it up I forgot to, that was her
1: Oh man I forgot that was her that was such a great um, that has such a great score to it. And yeah, I
2: still get chills listening yeah. to like the opening theme.
1: You know, when we're done here, I'm gonna be looking up the music. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna enjoy this show again or not. I remember I really liked it, but yeah, that was a while ago. And yeah, I'm a different person.
2: Just going I kind of want to leave it with the memories I have. Yeah,
1: I can
0: honestly say just from like from my perspective, like I I'd still watch anime though not nearly as much as I used to. But I can say that while I'm not as in, into it as I used to be. I can pull up certain shows that I watched back then, and they still work, even if some of them are just borderline absurd. It's just, <laughs> like, the memory is kind of still etched there, yeah. and it's not... I won't say it's glazed over, because I'm still old enough to not have, like, weird, like, Saturday morning cartoon memories of the stuff. But... So it still holds up, whereas I wager that if I watched a brand new show that was built around the exact same style, it probably wouldn't appeal to me as much. Like, I could watch Ranma One Half... But if you sit Love Heena in front of me, which is not new, but it's still way newer than that, I hated that show. Right. <laughs> um, but I got to thinking, since we were asking him about you know, TV shows, I actually had a thought. For some reason, I thought about a, a, a RPG built around Perfect Strangers. Oh, man,
1: like, that'd be awesome. Like Perfect Strangers Journey to Meepo's. And no, just... you, you play as as uh, Balky, right? Because he's like the fish-out-of-water character.
0: Yeah, Larry and Balky will be, be journeying across the United States oh, to be... earn money yes. to eventually fly back to Meepo's because his family is having a weird family emergency regarding the cows right. on the farm.
1: So you start the game, and Balky's in bed, and then Cousin Larry's like, Wake up, Balky! No, it's the other way
0: around! It's the other way around! <laughs> Larry's in bed, because even though Balky is the head of the game, you have to be from the perspective of Larry, because you have to deal with all the
1: weirdness that Balky is throwing at you. Oh, can you imagine the team-up attacks? Yeah, it'd be like Mario RP the Mario and Luigi game. Yeah, they have like the Dance of Joy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it'd be so good. And
0: you can bring in like their two, the, their two um, eventual wives in the, from yeah, the show right. as like support characters, mm-hmm. and eventually they can kind of ultimately like become like party members. Kind of be an interesting little side note. Like you level them up enough as support characters, they just become party members. Wow. And then you have like four-player team-up attacks, and it just. Is absurd, but the point is, oh, well, the point it, is, I you want you could have an OST, yeah. and an
1: Ian Stalker could do it, and that'd be the best. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Can you imagine like a tracked version of um, is that standing tall? Yes, it's <laughs> like it, it, it crazy, writes itself, man. Piece. I'm ready. <laughs> and then
0: one other RPG. I'm not gonna go into full detail because oh god. just the ten of us, just because of how many people were on the cast, it would just be oh, a, just the ten of us, just the ten of us. Oh my god, would be a very odd. What's in your coffee? JRPG. Is it, mocha. Is it just Mocha? <laughs> it's Mocha and extra <laughs> caffeine according to Wawa, But um, mm. that seat. We're, that's
1: going to be a whole episode. We're just gonna write. We're gonna spend the whole time just writing. Weird '80s TV show okay. RPG um, episode sixteen eight next week. It's <laughs> going to be um, TGIF the RPG. Yes, TGIF RPG. I'm, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready. All right, so we're back around to um, Ian Stalker's next uh, pick uh, for the show, and he he um, scrounged up something a little different for us. You want to um, maybe give us a little a little preamble on this one? Uh, which one is this? This is um, it's called Project Barrow. There we go. Um, yeah, so
2: I haven't actually played this, um, like I haven't posted this yet, it's brand new. I finished it last week, and um, this is actually uh, used in a pitch video that I made that I'll eventually publicly release. For now, I'm using it to try and get a publishing deal for this project I'm working on. Okay. So it's kind of a sizzle reel style 90 second video showing some concept art and the prototype and it's like um my goal with the music was um because the prototype is all ripped placeholder art we've got like dragon quest one we've got like final fantasy from uh like ds era uh there's stuff just it's a mishmash and it's really ugly the concept art is beautiful and so my goal is like help me make this game as beautiful as the concept art uh if i have a budget that's what we can do and so it's kind of like the music needs to do real heavy lifting here to distract the uh (laughs) viewer from the uh from the ugliness of the in-game footage so uh hopefully it works
1: all right let's listen this is um project barrow um from ian stocker
0: do you need <laughs> how much do you need because i i i'm not i'm sold on what you got just from that yeah that was it's <laughs> yeah, really, I really good. it's
1: funny how we were as we were listening to it um i wasn't looking at pernell and you start going din, 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 din. i'm like oh, that's a weird choice to make and i look over and it's you <laughs> yeah that's a lot of fun i love the um it seems like you're using, I mean, not that the same sounds, but like the same kind of like snare hit with like all that kind of a reverb on it. I really like that sound. It's very, um, I want to say it's really Phil Collins, but there's something about that that snare hit that I really enjoy. Um, so, are you still are you still using um, trackers to to write music?
2: Yeah, I use Renoise for everything. Uh, okay, cool. Um, and yeah, that snare. I had to audition a lot of different samples for that. And what makes it sound the way it does is um, reverb and compression. Yeah. Just to get that like really s- like snap type of sound. And um, yeah, I can maybe make a how-to video on <laughs> how to get the, the snare to snap like that. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm happy with how it turned out. Like. I love that you're willing to write a check for me uh, just based on <laughs> audio. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't even show the footage. I should just send him an MP3.
0: <laughs> just, just honestly, your sizzle should just be a black background and you just talking over this trusset. Imagine heroes. <laughs> some of them have swords. Some of them don't. One hero from America. <laughs> one hero from Meepo's. they cousins. <laughs> They're cousins how they become cousins? You'll find out in my exciting new game.
2: <laughs> Maybe the heroes are sent back in time to right the wrongs and pick up the slack from the heroes of the modern day. Yes. Yeah.
1: Time strangers. Well, I mean, we are like, like the ones who geek out over the music more than anything. We're like, we'll hear the soundtrack before the game and we'll we'll get psyched about the game because of the music or, or that. So that, that's. That's really us, like to a team, which is why we're doing why we do the show in the first place. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it stands to reason
0: that when you can write an OST that can get a person pumped for a game that doesn't exist yet, you're doing something right. (laughs) Because there's a lot of games out there where the OSTs are serviceable. But like remember how earlier you said there's some filler tracks and there's some standout tracks. There are some games where like the entire OST feels like filler, Mm -hmm. which means it works. But it won't get you geeked for something, you know? Yeah. So, to me, this is a geeked track. This is a geek-out track. I like it. Yeah. I'm ready for this game, and whoever is going to
1: receive this, they'd be crazy to (laughs) ignore it because they're missing out. Would you you think that this music would fit into uh, um, the game as well in development? Uh, I
2: hate to say this, but no. Uh (laughs) No! Because it's... um... So the the concept for it is it's kind of an action city builder. If you picture like uh, Gauntlet or Diablo, Ooh, but you're yeah, creating yeah. a city as you're clearing the rooms of monsters. Um, the form of it is really long, and it's also it's the first game I've worked on and scored where it's like one long scene. There's no scene changes at least for minutes on end. So it's like StarCraft or something, and so the. This intensity uh, over nine minutes, like people would just be turning off.
1: The you know what? Uh, so. I don't. I don't know. There, <laughs> there were some levels in Escape Goat too that I was on there for a very long time trying to figure out.
0: <laughs> well, you said this is a game where, like, if I heard you right, you say like there's you're, you're, you're a city builder, but there's also monsters that have to be taken out mm-hmm. while the city is under construction or while it's in existence. This yeah. you could have this track kind of roll in yeah. during if the game notices like a pretty major skirmish taking place inside of the city, mm-hmm. like oh it's getting something's going on yeah, we yeah. got to scroll over. And that to actually
1: find brings it. up a good point. Have you looked into or have you experimented at all with um, music that changes during um, gameplay actions? Like what's it called? He's um, um, called that adaptive adaptive music? Yeah, dynamic yeah. music. Is that something that you've ever experimented with or thought about?
2: Yeah, um, I did a few things, like Spore DS actually had a ton of adaptive Mm -hmm. music, because I think Nintendo will sue me if I talk about it too much, but the DS actually had a really robust sound chip and sound tech, and there was actually a lot you could do that was very code-like and a lot of uh, math and variables and stuff. So I could actually, as just the composer, turn in stuff that was like not just a static song, but kind of like a a program that could be interacted with by the game. So I'd tell them, like, oh, you can adjust these variables and it will change these tracks like turn them on and off Mm. Um, there's a game I worked on for EA called Zubo which was like a um, rhythm uh, combat RPG uh, type game
1: Prunel's running down game titles (laughs) he's like yeah
2: Uh, I actually didn't do any composition for this. They hired uh, other composers. Music for it's outstanding, and they just had me um, take the stems from it and resequence it to, to fit on the DS, and then also make it uh, modular because it would be like a, uh. a song continually playing, but there'd be these breakpoints where it could jump from like kind of an idling menuing loop that was mm-hmm. one bar, and then you'd do a special move that would be like two, four, or eight bars, and then it would have to jump back <laughs> and stay in tempo.
0: I just got to say, I am I appreciate. Wholeheartedly, that you just made that comment about the DS having a robust um, sound chip and means of which to create music for it. Because I've had more than a few people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that the DS has some of the best OSTs mm-hmm. that I can think of over the last decade or so. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's, it's
1: a quality piece of machinery. Yeah, it's really cool to hear that, that Nintendo, or at least the, um, the, develop- the, the, the developers of that hardware, really thought through um how games would interact with sound and, and integrated that into maybe their um, their software into the firmware um, where a lot of times like I think I know that like there's a lot of tools available to developers now that can offer that or a lot of people are just kind of rolling their own stuff. The first time I've ever seen uh, modular music like or like really um, like really obvious modular music was on I think it was on the PlayStation or maybe it was, the N64. It was a snowboarding game. Tricky SSX. Tricky. tricky. Yeah, because as you would go down, it would play like I don't know some Chemical Brothers song, and then if you did like a big jump, that song would keep playing, but it would go into kind of a remixed format in time, and then it would go. But so I would imagine there's probably like five tracks playing at the same time, and it would just sort of mute and unmute um, different layers as you played. He threw yeah. Me. Um, Yeah,
2: that's a really good technique if there's, like, a prolonged scene without, like, an abrupt change, but the intensity might change suddenly, like a brawler, where, like, uh, you know, suddenly you get ambushed by ten ninjas or something, and then you've got (laughs) to... You don't want to change the song because the battle may only last for thirty seconds right. or something. Um, so you can just have uh, alternate tracks that come and go.
1: All right. Well, one, one last little nerdy tidbit that I've I've read about was um, Luke, Lucas Arts did those kind of point and click adventure games. Yeah. And they did one for Indiana Jones, and they developed this this huge system that works um, with the game engine to do this adaptive music. So as you go and you you find you battle or you find items and things like things occur, the music. Shifts and changes and stays in key and goes into different movements and different chord progressions. It was very, very advanced, but they never did it again because they were so successful that the players never noticed (laughs) they tried that's
2: totally like it's funny you mentioned that because uh yeah there were on spore there were so many things we did that were really subtle that were really dynamic Mm -hmm. that i put a lot of time into but yeah like nobody would ever mention that (laughs) uh, like maybe it's a good thing but uh i i kind of have become a skeptic of too much adaptive audio for that reason is that it can be like kind of um I'll I'll tell you this much Um, I read a uh, like or actually listened to an in-depth talk on audio for uh, God of War and Mm -hmm. um, I think they included God of War 2 I forget whether it was both games or just the first one but um, going through all of the adaptive audio stuff they did for that and i was like i noticed some of it but most of it i didn't and like this is this is my uh area of expertise it's still an outstanding soundscape they did uh yeah. but i think that most of the like in my opinion the simplest stuff works the best if you look at shadow of the colossus and just simple oh, yeah. track changes based on like uh change in the mood mm. for how the battle's going uh, i think that's like the most effective thing you can do. Yeah,
1: it's kind you're, of, you're setting the scene. Yeah, go
0: ahead. I was just thinking, like, first, he, he already kind of posed the question I was going to ask, which is that if you did such a good job of making the transitions unnoticeable, isn't that more like a good thing than a bad thing? Though I guess you'd also want people to actually say, whoa, well, you notice that transition? That's amazing. But, I mean, it goes unnoticed, which means it's good because you were able to get it, you know, it was seamless transitions. Mm-hmm. But... I can say from personal experience, though, this may not be 100% transitional so much as just variations in the same track. I remember years ago playing Nights into Dreams on the Sega Saturn, and for those who don't know, the way that game worked was based on how you treated the Nightopians as you explored the different stages, the OST changes slightly. Each time you uh, visit the stage hmm. And for years There was a, the fourth stage I would hear the, I knew the track In a very specific way And then once YouTube Became a thing And you could just go out And find music I was like I gotta listen to this track I was different And I pulled up I was like <laughs> What the heck is this This isn't the track I was looking for And it took me forever To realize oh, Wait a minute The reason why it's different Is because they're playing The original variation of it And I only remember The variation When I was really nice To the Utopians. Un- it never clicked for me hmm. But that's how I thought it was. I guess when you do enough stuff in the game and you have these things where they, they make certain tweaks and changes, you just hear what you hear, and yeah. it sounds good, and that's sometimes all you need. And that's an, Honestly, I think that works just fine, as long as it sounds good.
1: Yeah. All right, so we're moving on to um, your next track.
0: Yes. Yes. And now um, mm-hmm. I,
1: I have, like, an armful of music from you for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> actually
0: nervous. I hope I picked the right one. No, no it,
1: whichever one you want. Is the right one. I like the way you think, sir. Except for that one. Oh, fine.
0: <laughs> I'm to pick it anyway. This track is from the game Time Spinner. Mm-hmm. And the track is titled Mask of Corruption. And it is composed by Jeff Bow. You're listening to "Mask of Corruption" from the game Time Spinner, composed by Jeff Ball. And I honestly was very torn on what track to pick. I had three listed, three very different songs. Some were like pretty relaxed and quiet. Some was more mm-hmm. like a, a, a bit of a, I guess, like an espionage esque sound. Yeah. And then there's this one, and honestly, I think it, like, it has like it may have like
1: a mixed reception. But I could not ignore that, that that crazy bass. I gotta say, like when the track starts, I'm not super into it until I start noticing that bass, that like kind of like kind of distorted bass a little bit more. Yeah. And then when it kind of uh kind of isolates itself towards the end, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it
0: picks yeah. up. It's like, like throw it,
1: me in the pit,
0: <laughs> and that's pretty much what this is. Like the game, as far as the theme goes, the game involves time travel as You're going back and forth from the past, the present, and the future mm-hmm. in order to. the premise is weird you're like a part of a clan that their job is to go back in time to warn their clan of the past where their enemies movements are so they can stay hidden from them because they're constantly being hunted and then someone eventually breaks the routine which results in them being captured and found and it gets crazy, but it plays like a, a Castlevania, like Symphony of the Night style this game. Is a,
1: this is a new, a, a, well, a recent title, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I got lucky on this one. I, I,
0: I heard about it, jumped on it blindly, and was not disappointed. Um, and thankfully, this theme, Magic Time, <laughs> um, it. It was. It allowed me to pick this one of these tracks from it, or both yeah. to talk about the game and also just to showcase this amazing
1: OST that it has, and and, and this bass guitar. <laughs> yes, I wonder if um if the composer just really likes, you know, heavy. Bass guitar, like punk rock. Bass I, I
0: hope he does. I'm going I to run a random view he's like, Oh, this was a complete accident. Yeah. I just happened to fall on the synthesis. This just churned out when I kept it because I was on a
1: deadline." Yeah, That's so funny that we, we both definitely have tracks that we kind of gravitate towards. Uh, Ian, do you have, is there like a, a style that you really like to compose in or that you really like to listen to? Or maybe um, like an instrument sound that you tend to gravitate towards?
2: Um, you mentioned. So, I don't know, I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, I like a little bit of everything, really, like I'd say every genre. Uh, In terms of what I start with, if I don't have an idea yet and I need to write a song, uh, then something I'll start with is the bass, usually, Mm. and that goes back to... um, there's a Super Nintendo game called Lagoon, which has got one of my favorite OSTs from the Super Nintendo, and all the tracks are really uh, driven by a bass groove. There's mm-hmm. like this bass riff that uh, a lot of them are really funky or like gritty, and uh, that was kind of what I've been copycatting <laughs> is uh, mm-hmm. like you can, it, you just make some sort of bass, and then it's like okay what can I build on top of it right. it's kind of like laying down some concrete that you can build on
1: yeah 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 like no it's not you weren't copying you were inspired inspired by sure it.
2: yeah it's
1: <laughs> <That's> interesting <laughs> on the interviews I've heard with Tim Fallon that's kind of what he would do too he would create kind of a, a groove with the bass and then just solo on it for a while <laughs> until maybe he came up with a with a motif but more, more, more often than not it was usually just a solo crazy crazy solo out of curiosity, also, I love how I just always leave my question with, out of curiosity? Out of cu- I have a quandary. I just, well, want, to know. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, give say that, I know we're in trouble. Dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> Can you think, what, what would you say is an indie game in particular that has always stood out to you, in a sense like how, if someone were to, like, I would say one of my standout indie games is Escape Goat, mm-hmm. in the same vein, what would you say is a standout indie game for you?
2: Um, Okay, I have to give a shout-out to one of my all-time favorite games, which is Kingdom. You played Kingdom?
0: I have not, which is why it's getting written down.
2: (laughs) Uh, So they call it something like a micro-strategy game. It's a side-view city-building game where uh, you're on a horse and you're directing the construction and expansion of this town and trying to keep the people safe. Uh, It's like... It's incredibly fun. It's randomized, so you can just do runs. You see how long you survive, or you see how quickly you can um, conquer the the area. And the atmosphere that the music especially creates, there's like kind of different graphics for different weather patterns from day to day, and there's a day-night cycle. Oh, is it 2D? It's 2D. Uh, Yeah, you got to play this the uh I, I feel like I have music seen, does some really uh, cool things like mm. uh the transition from day to night because everyone behaves differently at night or mm. when the day when the morning comes uh so there will be a song that's say it's a 60 second song but like 15 seconds in is this like bell or chord or something and that's when the next day starts and it gives you the big like um you know dawn is breaking and the you get the next day's money so like Oh, and another great thing it does, minor spoiler, but about every five days, uh, in game days, you get a massive invasion from a blood moon. Like <laughs> instead of a normal white moon rising, there's this red moon. But before you even see the red moon, like, uh, you can barely make out this music that's just this droning chord that's slowly building up from, from nothing. And by oh, the wow. time you notice it, you're like, oh, no. i about <laughs> to get up to deal with
1: this. Does, does the music um, like kind of crossfade with each other or do things kind of like go silent and then build again? Because There's silence. That sounds intense. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> in the middle of the day, um, there's, there's always silence. And then a song will come in sometime in the afternoon or evening.
0: Well, I think Rob can vouch for me on this, especially after our Mitchell Wong episode from a couple months ago. But typically when guests are really adamant about recommending a game, I tend to put money into seeing what that game is all about. So don't be shocked if I'm like, oh, yeah, I went and looked up this kingdom game and snatched it up. Because now I am genuinely intrigued. I am curious about this title. i all start
1: playing it. like, um, I don't want to stop playing it. So it'll be our game of the month of February. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that could easily happen. Mm. All right. So um, I'm on to uh, my last track. And I wanted to go with something a little bit more um, Game Boy sounding, more chip-toony. Um So I ended up just finding another um, indie title that was chiptune. I guess it's indie title. I'm not really sure. This is called... Yeah, that's what I chose. From the game Super Time Force, it's for the Xbox 360. It was also on Steam. I think it was on PS3. I played it a little bit. Did you play it a bunch? Yeah, I didn't play it a bunch, but I played some. Okay. I just run, run the gamut of consoles. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. It's a fun side-scrolling shoot 'em up, um, Contra style, in which you kind of play with time. Um, and this is a track called Resort. It's from the artist Six Nine Five Five, Jason Degroot, mm. or Degroot, a numeric artist. This is the song Resort from the game Super Time Force. This is composed by the artist 6955, Jason DeGroote. I've played this game, but (laughs) I haven't played it
0: nearly enough to apparently to reach and really have this track stick in my head because, but now...
1: yeah. I just recently hooked
0: up my old console, so it might be time to
1: revisit. Yeah, I really think that um, this artist, 6955, uses a lot of um, Game Boys. I think it sounds more than one Game Boy, or maybe it's one Game Boy and then maybe with some stuff added to it, but there's a lot of sounds going on.
0: And I was curious, like, you said the track is called Resort. And my, the Resort, my, yeah.
1: My brain was like, is this
0: based off of a stage called The Resort? Or is it meant to be, uh, like, Last Resort yeah, sort be. of resort?
1: I don't know. There's something about Game Boy music. When it hits, like, a groove, you know, I really like it. It's usually, I like, a lot of melody and a lot of, like, rhythm. But with Game Boy, like, kind of chippy. Well, I, I feel
0: like, like Game Boy in general already had good sound. It's, I'm not going to deny it. But I feel like it wasn't until the actual, like, musicians... That started composing with the with Game Boys with the intent to be like DJs with it. (laughs) Yeah, they pretty much exposed the true power of what that thing could do. Mm. Because like when I first learned about Chipsol, for example, Mm. I I've never heard a Game Boy track come out like that. She is
1: fantastic. Yes, she
0: is. And this guy's doing similar. Well, guess what? He's got a new best friend. He doesn't. He'll never meet me. But he knows I'm I'm good
1: for it. He's a good dude. You're coming for him. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm just gonna, you know, listen with from afar with um, friendship. Yeah, um, Ian. Uh, and then you did work on some um, Game Boy tracks. Do you have any love for the uh, for the eight bit hardware?
2: Oh, of course. I mean. Yeah, you pretty much said what needs to be said about it. It's got this great, clean sound. And yeah, yeah I can't tell um, how many Game Boys are, are in that. and it's hard, I can't yeah. tell what processing's being done on it. But I know, I mean, if he's doing that on one Game Boy, then um, that's godlike. <laughs> My guess is that it's, uh, it's yeah. multiple ones. But I mean, yeah, getting those sounds takes so much uh, expertise and, um, and hard work. Like just attention to detail. Uh, I tended to not make anything that intricate. (laughs) I mean, it's just uh, the stuff I was doing was um, was a lot simpler than that. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of respect for it.
1: Yeah, I noticed um, with a lot of like demo scene and track music, there's a lot of thought that goes into every note that's put in. You know, so like you have to you have to think about like what's going to be a delay and where these notes going to be. So every solo and every groove is like very like. It's, it's, there's a certain sound to it that you get with it. And I think with like chip music, especially the kind of modern like chip tune music, like they're they're kind of going at it with the same idea where it's like as they have to write each note, you know, they're thinking about where everything is being placed. So that they're kind of okay, how are these sounds gonna work together, you know, rather than just kind of throwing notes at the wall. Honestly the
0: whole idea of what these guys are doing, yourself included, by the way, um, it amazes me because, as Rob also can vouch for, I have a hard time taking something and focusing on it, like really digging deep. And to see it, I can just picture a guy going, you know, I really like the music from Super Mario Land, but what if I could do that with five Game Boys <laughs> and just make it make a really nice crunchy sound? Like, I can't even imagine the train of thought that would lead someone down the rabbit hole to yeah. dissect the
1: Game Boy and compose with it as an instrument. Well, the um, that's the my one regret, not one, but one of my many regrets of our past Magfest experience, and my first Magfest experience was not going to the chip, staying for the uh, the chip space, the whole little um, stage they have set up just for all the chips. Sounds like you have incentive to go next year. Well, next year I'm going to go and focus on the on the music. <laughs> yes, I think, I think <laughs> this year I was it. talking to all the developers and playing all the games and, um, you know, meeting up with uh, people.
0: Which reminds us, have you thought about attending Mag at any point in?
2: I've thought about it many times, and um, I have no good reason for why I haven't gone, but I will go. I I promise both uh, of you. Yeah, we would love to see
1: you. I there. mean, if you
0: want, I mean, I'm, I'll mean, i give you a reason. It's always people are like, I have no good reason. It's expensive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> especially if you're flying it, but... Yeah, no, we, we live like a couple hours away. It's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. But
0: I, I think Rob now can, and I can vouch for the fact that if you do go, especially as a composer... Yeah.
2: I think you will have a fantastic time. There's a lot to appreciate. Yeah, I have no doubt. I mean, it's it's on my to-do list.
1: Mm. All right, well, I was going to turn this track down because you know what time it is. We're going to, it's time for the bonus round. Yeah, bonus, bonus round. <laughs> do, do. The bonus rounds, the part of the show where we play covers and remixes based on our theme. It's also the part of the show where, where I announce the bonus round and then Pernell makes a song up on the spot.
0: What? (laughs) No, you just did. That wasn't a song.
1: That was a little song. It was a little song. All right. I accept record deals and offers. (laughs) Well, um, our first track in the bonus round is coming from uh, Ian Stocker. You want to tell us a little bit about um, this gauntlet track that you sent my way?
2: Okay. Yeah. This is another thing I wrote. Um, fairly recently, last year, I guess. And it was also written in Renoise. Uh, I used to do remixes of VGM a lot when I was first writing music, and it was part of how I learned to write music was copying, you know, playing music by ear. And I just don't do that as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a little tribute to um, the early Gauntlet games. The arcade game had its own... um, Music, kind of this hypnotic bass line, again with the bass lines. And the uh, NES game, uh, even though it was the same composer and it was a similar game, uh, they wrote a completely new kind of Baroque um, fugue-like track for it, which um, you will probably recognize if you uh, had a Nintendo because I think everyone is playing this game. So this is like a a, um, combination of those two
1: themes. Yeah, I'm a huge Gauntlet fan. I loved Gauntlet in the arcade, too. A lot of times with my brother yelling back and forth about who gets the food. So I was actually
0: going to inquire, (laughs) because I do
1: have something here.
0: Will I feel a craving to need food badly once this is done playing?
1: If I did
2: my job, then yes. (laughs) All right.
1: All right, let's go. This is the Gauntlet tribute from Ian Stocker. Yeah, that was a, the Gauntlet Gauntlet Tribute um, by Ian Stalker, And yeah, because it has that kind of baroque, almost kind of, I guess like a religious kind of sound to it, in my mind, I'm, I'm imagining the escape goat bouncing around to that music.
0: Mission
1: accomplished yeah, I, I opened my pickles. Oh, you opened pickles? I had to. I... We should let the listeners know that he has a bag of pickles that he's eating. Spicy pickles. Okay, good. I, this guy it, just has to translate the audio somehow. Yes, the
0: need, the need was there.
2: So mm, you're really, picturing that delicious gauntlet meal, the like pork chop with the yeah. like side of veggies, whatever that thing looks like. <laughs>
0: they believe it. I'm also picturing my companion. Now I need to figure out how I'm going to trip in order to get to it first. Yeah, you try to trap them.
1: Like I, I liked how in Gauntlet that you know you'd have like four players on the same screen. So whoever was kind of like moving the view, you know, you try to get ahead and lock people behind a wall. That game was just brutal, though. Yeah, it was. Like, (laughs) there are certain
0: co-op games I can think of out there where they're fun to play with your friends, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the game was ultimately not meant to be played with others in order to succeed at it. Uh, Yeah.
1: But it's like Battletoads, right? It's more, it's just fun with the chaos.
0: Yeah, it's fun. But like, I can't picture like masterful (laughs) Battletoads play in co-op. In no. fact, I tried. I hated it very much.
2: I think um, with Battletoads, it was just like, look, it's Battletoads. You're not going to get past level three anyway. Just have fun. <laughs> <Just>, yeah,
1: <laughs> pretty much. Just enjoy some of the music and go for it. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I remember when um, they remade Gauntlet. Remember Gauntlet Legends? That yeah. came out in the arcade. Yeah, that was interesting. That, they they kind of, I feel like they they kind of took the same idea of Gauntlet, but then maybe. I don't know. It, it, to me, it felt a lot like Fantasy Star Online, where it's like you're kind of running the same dungeons over and over again.
0: Actually, this discussion has reminded me. I need to go back and look. I think I have it on my PS3, or was it the 4? I don't even remember, but I'll find out when I get home. But um, they actually did try to, again, revive the Gauntlet franchise. What? Um It was a dungeon crawler, I think. when yeah,
2: Arrowhead made it. Oh, see so you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Have, yeah. you, have you tried it? Yeah, uh, they did a pretty good job with it. It's a, I don't remember all the specs for it. It's maybe randomized dungeon. They did a really good job with um, having like hundreds of monsters here fighting and not just a few. I think like um, in the Gauntlet Legends days, yeah. um, it was kind of like early 3D, so they couldn't have that many monsters uh, without dropping frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they definitely solved that, and it had that gauntlet feel. It also gave um, all four heroes very different play styles. Oh, good. And so, that was that was a good thing about yeah. it. I need
0: to go back in because I'm almost positive I at least started a game because my problem is I tend to get in the games and then bounce around a lot. <laughs> but I remember about Val's ADD today. <laughs> I have tons of it. But I see, like, I recall the Valkyrie being able to throw her shield. Hmm. And that was like, I was like, I like the sound. I can throw the shield and catch it and then defend yourself with it. But, yeah, I'm going to look this up when I get home. And like, mm. I'm
1: telling you it's in there somewhere. All right, now, what's your <laughs> uh, bonus round track?
0: Well, I can't follow that. <laughs> but,
1: you, you, but I, I guess have I
0: have no but choice. Have <laughs> well, my track, I actually was looking for, since the track theme or the theme for the episode was Magic Time, my thought was Time Mage. But, of course, Time Mage is a class in the Final Fantasy series, and there's no... Actual like theme devoted to the time age. But lo and behold, there is actually a remix album via OC Remix where they took tracks and remixed them to be considered as themes for different job classes from Final Fantasy 5. Oh, that's what that meant. Okay. So I happened to find a track befitting the theme of the episode. So it is called The Observer Theme of Time Age. From the Fabled Warrior Volume 2 Water album composed by Hulk. Yeah, H
1: A L C.
0: This is The Observer, theme of Time Mage, from the Fabled Warrior Volume 2 Water Album <laughs> <laughs> composed by a Hulk. And it's amazing how this is apparently based off of a track from Final Fantasy V that I'm actually genuinely familiar with. is one of my favorites, even though, considering how amazing that OST was, it's hard to even say that, because everything's a favorite. But... I recognize it, but then when I was in the track, there's like only one part in the entire thing that I was like, okay, now I can see where the inspiration comes from.
1: Otherwise, he went nuts. He was definitely, he probably took that and like took little bits of it and then sort of like warbled it around in between all these little beats.
0: It makes me think Pretty of like the glitchy. guitarist, and, like on like, when, like, when, like a band is playing on stage, and then the guitar, like the, the one guitarist player, just goes off on his own little solo, and Louis just
1: loses his marbles. Like what the heck are you doing? Like oh, I kind of lost myself there. I'm sorry. Just- or, or the band's playing, but the drummer does like a fill, like every beat, <laughs> and then the band's like, "What are you doing, man? We're losing <laughs> time." <laughs> um, you ever see that movie? That thing you do. No, yeah, Yeah it's about um it's about like this band that's like a one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. And so they they come up with like it's this 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 band and they have like a uh, like a love ballad and they hire a drummer to come on and the drummer's just bored of playing the same slow song over and over. So he speeds it up and the band's super confused. <laughs> and um and it's because of the the same song is played faster, it becomes a huge, massive hit. And it's all about them like So it's rising. like a second hit. Yeah, it becomes like their their massive like hit and they're like a one hit wonder. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a silly I don't know but he's like that's his thing like he just takes them all off guard and just plays all this crazy fills and solos and no one's expecting it Actually, I wonder if there's a lot if there's any
0: bands out there I'm sure there's almost gotta be at least one but of bands course. where they just kind of have like one guy who just leads them and then the rest of the members just have to figure it out as they go uh, James Brown <laughs> But the thing is, like, I feel like if a you band a like that existed, they couldn't actually release, like, albums because mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to recall what they did. Well, what's what's interesting
1: <laughs> about um, electronic music, especially electronic music like this, is that it sounds, like, really sporadic and really, like, improvised. But every little bit of that is programmed by hand, you know? Like, they're, they're pouring over every beat and every little sound. Oh, because you mercy. can't just, like, do that on the fly most of the time. It's all like, okay, this has to go here, this has to go here heaven help you said that
2: it was like um you said it was based on each class like was kind of given a different theme Mm -hmm. this was supposed to be the time mage like kind of theme song
1: Mm -hmm.
2: okay yeah it it occurred to me like halfway through i'm like oh okay so it's a time mage and like once i realized that i'm like yeah he's doing these things where the the filters are getting slowed way down and then sped way up so i'm picturing this mage like waving his hands around and like uh if there's a lot of stuff, and like some of the the leads sound like they're coming in backwards, like they're coming in oh, from yeah. the future. Or That's something. right.
1: Even like the, the, when the song starts, it kind of starts with like kind of a reverse like reverb thing. Like see, I love that. Yeah. See, I didn't even think about that. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. I, all right, so this is um, good. My uh, bonus round track is from Chrono Trigger. Of course. <laughs> had to come full circle. Yeah, this is the theme of Chrono Trigger, and this is from um, actually an artist that we've had on the show, Hyperduck Soundworks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they did a, um, that darn... Do you remember? That thing Cosmic you Cosmic Star Heroin. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yes, Cosmic Star Heroin. That's right. Um, it's a group of three people, Chris Gihan, Dan Byrne McCullough, and Kevin Carville, and this is for the, um, the remix album, Chrono Trigger Music for 25 Games. And th- this is an amazing tune especially when you hear that saxophone and you'll know what I mean we'll see if it drives me quackers or not This is Chrono Trigger, theme of Chrono Trigger from Hyperdux Soundworks for the album Chrono Trigger Music for 25 Games. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about how this is the 80s aerobics version of Chrono Trigger that, you know, I always had to had to be, you know, it was, it was just a matter of time. We need a, a remix cover band or a remix artist to just seriously
0: sit down <laughs> and compose an entire album devoted to sweating to 90s video game OSTs, sweating to the OSTs. Yes, and it'll just be aerobic <laughs> style compositions of famous 90s oh, game I tracks. It. I would I'd burn so many calories to that. You have
1: no idea. I want to jog to this. <laughs> yeah, it's a good like Man, it's a good tempo too. Yeah. It's nice and fast.
0: I also think it's funny you mm. made the comment about <laughs> him it's like a man to sooner heard this It was like, this is perfect. This is what it should have always been. And I was thinking, like, he's like, How could I have been so foolish? <laughs> I-, I understand how I missed something so obvious. How
1: can we go back and change it? <laughs>
0: well, fortunately, there's an epoch parked right outside. Oh my
1: gosh. Of the epoch. <laughs> Well, for more information on the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com and we'll have links to the SoundClouds and Bandcamps and everywhere where you can go and uh, buy the music and support the artists. All right, thank you for joining us on episode 16 7 of Rhythm and Pixels. Um, our talk with Ian Stocker, Magical Time Bean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, we had a really great time talking about Magical Time and Magical Time Bean. <laughs> I gotta say,
0: one, I regret
1: not bringing beans into this. We could have, had, like, a coffee track that played like, at some point. I was trying to think, like, what are, what bean games are there? Poyo ma- Poyo. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Hey! Is there a coffee game, I guess, Cuphead? Coffee Crisis. Coffee Crisis?
0: Yeah, it's a weird Genesis... Designed side-scrolling
1: beat-em-up Featuring coffee baristas That's amazing <laughs> I had no idea that existed
0: <laughs> I also have to say Otherwise, he'll kill me um, Our friend Matt Is the one who originally told me about Soulcaster Even before Scapegoat, I think hmm. I don't recall for sure But he adores this game And your music And I figure I should tell you that Because I think he would like for us to have done so
1: <laughs> just to let you know he's a big fan um i mean i'm a big fan too but he's also a super matt right yeah 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 matt's a super fan um so yeah no, soul caster um can you maybe uh tell our audience um any, any kind of uh news coming up about you any uh, is there any information you can give about games or um any music that you're working on that we can go find
2: Um, yeah, so I'm, I've been so absorbed in working on my next game. It's been four years since the scapegoat dude came out and Mm -hmm. I've actually burned through a few different prototypes. Um, there's some things on the scrap heap, but it's like each thing gets a little further along than the last. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's like building one building and then demolishing it and building another building on top of it. And I'm really happy with what I've got currently. Uh, so I've got very high hopes for it. Uh, I'm, actively seeking a publishing deal uh, I just started that I'm like okay finally the game is fun to play for like 20 minutes I think it's in a good state I can uh, put I can show it to people and uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with it I'm proud of it and so I'm hoping to take it to that next level I really don't want to self-publish uh, for my next game I want to have some support yeah and uh, to make it look as good as I want to make it look um, having the funds to, uh, to have an artist contribute to it would be great. So, um, yeah, it kind of all depends on, uh, who I can get interested in mm-hmm. and, uh, wondering get the budget rolling, but I've been pretty secretive about it until, um, let's say one or two weeks from now. Uh, and then the cat will be kind of out of the bag. I do want to blog and tweet a bit more and show what, what I've got going on. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to show
1: everyone. Great. Well, you we have some friends here, um, we're definitely um, going to be sharing that information I mean, as as you release it um, we definitely want to share that with our audience you're we're, here to that a then. lot of people are going to be interested in it um, and as time as it comes closer to release or even after release if you want to talk about it some more or talk about the soundtrack um, yeah you're always welcome back to come on the show and, and gab with us we'd love to have you back again
0: that'd be great I do have one other question for you that just came to mind in a whim too given your transition from you know like composing for companies to doing your own thing if you have, if there are any people listening that are thinking about maybe this, you know, game composition thing could be up my alley, or maybe I want to get into the whole, you know, publish slash compose racket too. Racket. <laughs> I, I love the word. I hadn't even excuse to use it. Um, can you think of any general advice you would have given yourself prior to getting into this that other people could probably put to use? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, so when I got my first gig I knew plenty about composing music for the Game Boy. Um, I did not know anything about negotiating Uh, (laughs) there's a book that I read halfway through my career that I wish I had read a year before I got started called Bargaining for Advantage. And uh, it makes it sound kind of Machiavellian, like, oh, how can I, like, you know, (laughs) how can I build this racket? It's not so much a racket. It's um, It's more about how to um, get as much information as possible about what the other party is looking for and how you can be that solution for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, to, to that, I would say for the most part, um, they cared a lot more that I didn't cause problems for the team than they did mm-hmm. about like me making outstanding music. Like mm-hmm. I could have dialed back the quality of the music a little bit, and if I kept my milestones and didn't break the build, like they probably would have kept hiring me. <laughs>
0: there right. it is I like that that's quality advice in this and
1: outside of this for that yeah. matter he, yeah, that's like pro, that's like classic like project manager like software development it's like okay don't make waves we need this done you know and then just focusing like on that final you know yeah those builds that come out then guy comes in the yeah. office the next day with a surfboard and says, hey what's up
0: guys right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well um, where can our listeners um, find more information about you Where are, where are you online I can go to
2: IanStocker.com or MagicalTimeBean.com, they both redirect to my homepage, um, which is pretty pretty out of date at this point. Uh, my Twitter is at MagicalTimeBean, though I don't use Twitter too much. I check in on it every few days to see if people are trying to get in touch with me there. Um, I'd say my YouTube channel is the thing that gets updated more frequently these mm-hmm. days, uh, so you can just search for IanStocker on YouTube.
1: Great. Um, And if you'd like to get in contact with our show, um, if you want to say hello to us, or if you have any track recommendations or topic recommendations for the show, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for more information about the show, um, a full track listing from all of our episodes, access to all of our episodes, and um, access to all the other little stuff that we're doing, such as um, Purnell's uh, game reviews for the SML podcast and heypoorplayer.com, go to our website. Rhythmandpixels.com check us out on um twitter instagram youtube stitcher all those places it's it's rhythm and pixels all one word come say hi to us we're gonna wave right back to you um it's just because you know we need friends we're bored we might even share our pickles (laughs) you might you might (laughs) share your pickles might that is true i Um, gotta really dig you and if you'd like to support the show go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you are or just you know tell your friends about it um any kind of word of mouth is just always appreciated um you can also support us in other ways by going to patreon.com slash rhythm and um and um if you donate there you get access to a live stream of our show every month and we also like to give you a special thank you at the end of every episode oh no oh, there we go oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> thought i lost it for a second <laughs> um so first we'd like to thank brian kunkel alex the messenger messenger Steven Miller. Stephen, thank you so much for that email. We really appreciated reading that.
0: And I got to state, by the way, before I forget, do that track from Digital Devil
1: Saga could easily make it onto this show. Oh, yeah. Because no. I adore that OST. A- Heavily. Amazing. Um, we also want to thank uh, The Autistic Gamer. We want to thank Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Damian Beckles, Wicked Sephiroth, OK Paula. Uh, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast well yes he got to meet him he's awesome jint I missed him we gotta figure I, this I out I kept missing him at MAGFest I want to thank Henrik Anderson of the amazing Camouflage Commodore 64 podcast uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version podcast our friends from Over the Pond uh, Brian Pitt, Morton Gangso, Chris Marie, <laughs> who I did meet at MagFest. You did meet him. Uh, Jupiter Jazz, um, Sola Sanctuary. Thank you so much for your continued support. And, and
0: yes, for being awesome. We love the picture, and it's going to show up on
1: a future episode. Yeah, we're going to have some cool artwork um, from her. I want to thank John Jekyll, Joe Vassalo, Chris Steenerson, and David Smith. Thank you all.
0: I keep hearing John Jekyll, Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs>
1: is it Jekyll or Jekyll either way it's Jingleheimer Schmidt I know he corrected us and I'm never going to remember that (laughs) thank you all so much for your continued support of our show Um, and thanks again to Ian for um, taking the time out and you know listening to some tunes and chatting with us thanks again All right, uh, it's been Rhythm and Pixels the video game music podcast my name is Rob Nichols and I'm Pernell thank you and have a safe week and remember it is a magical
0: time being the new year rollover we're still kind of dealing with that In which case, we have to get a little nostalgic and think about the, you know, more wonderful, magical times in our lives. The things we get nostalgic for. Things we wish we could go back to. And things we want to recreate going forward. But with all that in mind, don't tend to forget the fact that any time can truly be a magical time. So long as you spend it with fun, friends, good food, good drink. And just relax. Time is going to keep moving. Make sure to enjoy every drop that you can. And also... Get some beans in there while you're at it because (laughs) we have to mention more beans.